0: Don't you wanna die happy with a smile on your face? Wake up a laughing
1: <laughs> Cause you're free of all the things that would
2: hold you from your view. Life shampoo. is life a landscape. Why you don't you paint it you? your way? Don't you wanna this is episode two.
3: This is episode two.
2: Episode two of season two. Yep. of the How to Die Happy podcast. Welcome. Howdy, hey, <laughs> how's it going? Willkommen, bienvenue. Hello, Julia.
3: Hello, Martin. How
2: you well, doing? Well, uh, you know, I was just going to ask you the same thing, but I, I, I like the way you flip the script. How am I doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm working with acceptance
3: okay
2: because as you know the perfectionist in me has very high expectations yeah. for the production values of this podcast and you folks at home if you are watching won't be able to see but i went out and spent some money <laughs> on a on a super cool lighting rig
3: yeah it was it's kind of hard to watch
2: Well, it was hard to watch me buying it.
3: Yeah. Why? I just, as you said, you just spent a lot of money on a (laughs) lot of equipment. Did yeah. And we like to live a fairly minimalist lifestyle.
2: Yeah. But at the same time, I do believe that if a job's (laughs) worth doing, it's worth doing properly. uh, And you should go hard or go home, as the Ute say. So, bought all the gear. Never made... A YouTube video or a video of anything in my whole life, uh, I've avoided making Instagram stories with me in them for the lion's share of my adult life. Also, and suddenly, we are producing a video podcast. This, dear viewers slash listeners, will not be without the odd hiccup. <laughs> Um, and you, unfortunately, are going to experience a little bit of a hiccup in this particular episode. So so in this episode, we spoke to a wonderful woman called Jeannie Welsh, and we'll hear a bit more about that in a moment. But uh, meanwhile, I managed to not ensure that the SD card was cleared on the second camera, which means halfway through, nay.
3: <laughs> it's like a quarter of the way through. Nay, uh,
2: yeah. A third of the way through, (laughs) the camera on Jules and I, unfortunately, ceases to operate, which means that you will have Jeannie speaking a lot for the latter lump of the show. Now, that's perhaps not a bad thing. because she's a
3: beautiful woman with the most amazing smile. So you get to see that for the rest of the show. And
2: immensely animated Mm -hmm. and so passionate about what she does. Um, And, you know, who wants to look at my tired old face however i might try to have some fun with the edit so 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 (laughs) i don't know what's going to happen yet there will be video there will be imagery of jules and i but it might just it might not synchronize because it might just be us going for a bit of fun just bear with us you know this is a this is a new thing all yeah. of it and uh you know we're doing our we're doing what we can mm-hmm. so thank you for your patience and of course if you don't want to watch the video just do what you always do listen to the video <laughs> <laughs> listen to the audio
3: do you need video some sleep my love
2: build the radio stuff star- sorry what
3: do you need some sleep
2: i think i do <laughs> okay so to- talk to our audience about the wonder that is Jeannie Walsh.
3: Mm, Jeannie, she is a yoga teacher, yoga and mindfulness teacher for kids and teens. And you'll see and you'll hear how passionate she is about what she does. And this is something that for her is truly a calling. You know, she didn't go out looking to be a teacher. It really found her. And she not only teaches the children, but she also teaches adults. So I actually was one of her students a couple of years ago learning to be a children's yoga teacher so she's really bringing these incredible skills she's bringing them out to us now in a time where we really need them and she's passing them on both to the children and to the adults so that we can really start raising a generation of mindful aware self-regulating
2: beings Mm, the, word, the word "regulation" came out a lot in a good way. Self-regulation. I, I have to say, this was a really wonderful discussion. Mm. It, it, it opened up uh, a Pandora's box, no doubt, and um, and, I, and I suppose some some tricky conversations to be had around our responsibility as adults for the the mindfulness. Of our children and for the upbringing of our children, not just our children, the children around us, the children who—I uh, don't have any children—but the children who who witness us being humans. And I think one of the things uh, I, I, was, I was really grateful that we we got stuck into was was talking about how, on the one hand, it's an incredible thing to teach children how to how to be mindful and do mm-hmm. yoga. And that will be a game-changer yeah. in generational terms. However, if we adults are not also doing that work to ensure that we are setting the right example, you know, yeah. leading by example, and also interacting with these children in a whole uh, more conscious and mindful way, then it might not work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful yeah,
3: I, mean, I feel like we could have this podcast could have gone on for hours um so i definitely think we'll have her back at some point to to speak with us again because as you said it's a pandora's box There's, and every little thing connects the dots to the next subject and then they all interlink
1: mm.
2: and we
3: just find ourselves in this web of of beautiful things to talk about and mm. um yeah it was fun
2: it was it, fundamentally what Jeannie's doing is is the grassroots work you know it's it's dealing with is tackling uh, the systemic root cause issues in societal terms by by trying to show kids there's a whole other way to interact, there's a whole other way to communicate externally, but also, of course, communicate internally and to really tune into their their body, mind, and, and soul. So it was a fun animated discussion. Uh, you, as you said, we could have gone three hours. Uh, sadly that would have been most of that would have been on one camera (laughs) Um, but you know thanks for being so forgiving and if you incidentally do struggle with the concept of forgiveness we did do a chinwag on that in season one so feel free to listen shall we we get on with the episode?
3: Yeah let's have a listen to Jeannie. Jeannie Welsh Let me die in peace in peaceful fields
0: full of weeds. In a breeze that's sweet In Some place where
1: We all grew our own food In community With friends and family That love the sea And they love to see When I'm doing really good
2: So I thought Parrot ownership in Bali was a, a rarity. We just met a guy in Ahmed who has a parrot, and now I'm told you have a parrot.
0: I do have a parrot, yes.
2: <laughs> I am intrigued to hear about your parrot genie.
0: My parrot, my my parrot named Joey, who was the most unfriendly bird I had ever met. So unfriendly that we thought it was possessed, and we uh, got a high priest to come to our home. To uh, bless the parrot. And after a couple of weeks, months maybe, we were like, no, this parrot's not changing.
2: <laughs> Joey, a parrot. Joey's it's, not changing. It's got behavioral issues. It
0: wouldn't let you near it. And um, we thought it would be exciting thing to give it um, something to expand its
1: consciousness (laughs) 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 and so Uh, we did and
0: literally a a day after um Total new bird.
1: What?
0: Total <laughs> new bird. Hangs around, can't leave me alone. Follows me wherever I go. Um, yeah, it's incredible.
2: So you fixed <laughs> a parrot with microdosing.
0: We fixed a parrot with microdosing. Amazing. <laughs> what
2: I be- so the where we lived in Ahmed, this chap mm. had this parrot, and he would the the parrot would ride on the front of his scooter, everywhere. And this guy was a little bit eccentric, wasn't he? Yeah. I think he was Dutch or German. Um, and he would bring it to this cafe where we'd hang out. But I I could never quite concentrate on enjoying my um, whatever I was drinking, turmeric <laughs> latte, because this parrot would just constantly be giving it Billy, you know, Billy Big Bollocks. And uh, I wondered if your parrot did the same thing.
0: It does in the mornings when it feels it needs some attention and that's what it does it squawks does <laughs> speak? so I, I no not yet uh. until you get up from your comfortable bed walk out feed it give it some love and then it settles <laughs> it's really needy I, I never in my life would i have ever imagined that i would feel um, responsible for a parrot life
1: <laughs>
0: oh. it's like a child is
2: it easier than having a child it sounds like it might be worse
0: no, it, it's I, I can't it climbs up everywhere it, when i work it's it's there it's nibbling on my computer it's nibbling on pencils you take it you put it back in the garden it walks back it does the same thing it, it's a constant it's a constant look after and reprimanding. Don't do that.
2: <laughs> Knowing full well it didn't understand no, what I was saying.
0: No. It, but it's really intelligent creatures. Yeah. And you've done a good thing. You've expanded its consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Um, yeah. It's crazy how the um how the change has uh I mean the changes It's real, it, it, it's real. It, it really is real And people are coming over to the house They're like, oh, this is Jory's friendly <laughs> Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah
1: He's, he's vibing
2: <laughs> He's like He's a, he's a four, four density now he's Absolutely on amazing. his way to 5D It's
0: incredible You know, I told this story It's funny It's amazing
2: Have you read the the Richard Bach book uh, Jonathan Livingston's Siegel? No well, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's quite a profound book, um, and it's about a seagull called Jonathan Livingston, which isn't all that profound in terms of titles. But it's about this seagull who, who realizes he's in this flock that just does the same thing day in, day out, and and they do the same aerial routines day in, day out, and and he feels like he could fly higher. And he feels like he could do more aerobatics, and he feels like he's he's got more to say and the rest of the this huge flock of seagulls so the story is all about jonathan livingston's awakening Perhaps you ought to lend it to Joey.
1: <laughs>
0: when you said the the word awakening, I was like, "That's exactly what he's going through. Yeah, yeah, exactly, he is. He's like he's,
2: wow, he's I'm in the dark night a, of the soul. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like <laughs> I I don't just have a bird body. <laughs> exactly, I'm a light body.
2: How do I get out of this parrot body?
0: <laughs> How do I
2: transcend? So you said, um, of course, you said it was. It might be easier or more difficult than than coping with children, but then that's what you do for a living, right? That's what I do, yes. Mm. So for the wonderful folks at home, give us a, a, a quick spin around what you what a typical day for Jeannie looks like.
0: Currently a typical day looks like waking up, attending to the parish. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. And um, just getting on with You know, working on the online course that I've created, um, working on um, letting people, getting people involved in what I do and making them understand that um, yoga goes far more, F- go f- reaches further more than, you know, just the name itself mm-hmm. and how the benefits of yoga can reach the children that we have in our lives and especially now where we never before have experienced so much stress and anxiety uh, uh, amongst ourselves as adults. But can you imagine what it's doing to our children? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just... Making it known that there's an alternative to what's happening in the West, you know, alternative to this medication, all these labels, and that there is this holistic practice out there that can help children, self-regulate, can help children with stress and anxiety and all the things that, um, the challenges that children are faced with now that we as adults are growing up didn't Mm -hmm. have to, well what's happening in the world right now we didn't certainly have that type Mm. of stress so um yeah just um, chatting to a few people just reaching out um then working physically hands-on children with children one-on-ones um helping them uh breathe teaching them how to breathe Mm. moving their bodies um creating that sense of awareness within themselves understanding that you know they are responsible for their own emotions they're responsible for um being a better human being Mm. i I guess and then
2: then i (laughs) <laughs> take a chill, make then myself I take a hot a chill, cocoa, it a a pat,
1: a pat myself on the back, and say,
2: "Wow, well, I changed some small small minds today."
0: Yeah, that's the goal. Wake up every morning, and h- how can I be of service? Mm. How can I be of
3: service? And you also Beautiful. teach adults. Yes, to teach children yoga and mindfulness, and that's how I met you because you taught me to be a children's <laughs> yoga teacher. <laughs> yes, I run um, yoga and mindfulness
0: for children and teens teacher trainings, where um, we get to teach adults these amazing skills and how we can apply these skills as we, le- when you know, as how we learn them as adults, how we can apply them me- that are developmentally appropriate for children,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's really fascinating. And it's it also- it, it is works, works for us as well because then we start work, realizing that we need to do some of that work oh and absolutely play like children
0: absolutely yeah. just getting you know i think we're just coming from such a broken society where we have where we've lo- lost that um connection with our inner child mm. and mm. that's you know when we can connect with that we have that remembering of hey yeah you know
2: but that's society today isn't it i suppose and we are treated almost like we're in a factory i think from childhood onwards we're put through an education system that's been specifically designed to to keep us subservient to do as we're told to respect authority at no point is there any mindfulness being taught there we're not uh, now I'm. Uh, I say we're not. Listen, I'm 46, so I'm thinking about when I was a kid. So all due respect to uh, what's happening in the in the school system now. Hopefully, it's improved uh, because they used to throw wooden chalkboard oh, rubbers at my head mm, when I was yeah. at, when I was at school, and it was okay. You couldn't sue. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> be quite <good> still. Be <laughs> so, so, seen and not heard. Yeah, well,
2: that was it. It was yeah. it was yeah. very much be seen and not heard. But but then there was no one teaching us interrelation skills either, interrelational skills with one another. We just, you just had to kind of work it out and you had to fight it out uh, a lot of the time. And certainly from my uh, perspective as a as a child from a, um, shall we say, a messy home background, my mum was an alcoholic. And so we had a, a, a real, I'd say quite a colorful upbringing. And, and we were bringing our trauma to school every day and someone was going to get that trauma, uh, and that and my brother and I, James and I, were you know two years different, so we were at the same school, and nobody was teaching us how to cope with any of this. Nobody was teaching us how to to be mindful. You know, uh, we only learned to breathe when we actually when we were doing martial arts, which we would then take out on the people who got on the wrong side of us as as kids. So, I, so what you're doing, and of course, when I when I because I met you. We met you I, we met you independently, didn't we? but when I heard a little bit about what you did, and then of course, when Jules started working with you, I was just blown away because it's it's what we never had as as children is this opportunity so i was I was interested how did you find it? It found me mm.
0: <laughs> yeah, it found me I was um <clears throat> a little bit about my story i uh come from a home where my parents got divorced I think at the age of three moved around a lot my mum got remarried our family had to split up into different homes because for financial reasons um then through that we we ended up um being apart for a really long time so that survival of having a home we, we I didn't grow up with and then I remember um seeing my father after eight years of not seeing him and wanting to you know live with him rather than my mum that I'd been living with through with the whole time well before we started moving around and living with different family members um, I made the decision around, by myself, at the age, I think it was 10 or 11, that I would I didn't want to go back home to my mom. I wanted to stay with my father. I didn't know my father. Of course, you think you know him because he's your father, but mm. I didn't know him, and I ended up, I, I decided to stay. So I was living in Jo'burg, Johannesburg, South Africa, Cape Town, and my dad was living, uh, Jo'burg, South Africa, my dad was living in Cape Town, so I made the decision to move to Cape Town with him. And, you know, very colorful you know a lot of alcohol alcoholism drinking abuse a lot of that going on was kind of left to my own devices and then he he passed away at a very young age and um my at the time the family couldn't afford to look after me so I was rehomed through the government where I kind of you know I was reaching my teenage years and kind of took it into my own hands, like, oh, I don't have a family, I can do what I want. And to be the cool kid, you know, I started taking drugs and started um, doing all these things that a 14-year-old would not typically do. And it got into, it spiraled into a mess. It really did spiral into a big, big mess. And by the age of 20, I managed to finish school, some, oh, I can't tell you how I did that.
1: <laughs> I know
0: that feeling. <laughs> but I did. I finished school, and um, I I remember I was living with a friend, um, and she was into yoga, and I was overweight at the time. And um, she would mention the the the, the name. She would mention yoga, and I would be like, oh, "There's no ways I'm going to go to yoga class or do yoga." Then the, a yoga studio opened up in Cape Town and this th- they started teaching that one of the classes was a heated vinyasa class. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I was like, oh, this is a really quick way for me to lose weight. And you know, I'm going to do a heated vinyasa. I didn't know what vinyasa was, of course. I'm going to do a heated yoga class, lose weight, and everything is going to be fine. And so I did. I started off um, doing these once a week or twice a week, vinyasa heated vinyasa classes, and um, things started to change around me. And things that I didn't understand, I had no concept of at that time, uh, the metaphysics, you know, all of those things that we know now that we didn't, we weren't educated upon then. And more so, was coming into my body. I was finding. I was finding the time to spend more time with myself Mm -hmm. alone Mm. because before I couldn't do that. I couldn't spend time alone and something was changing and I I was like, oh, I wonder what that could be. And I got really inquisitive about it. And six months into my yoga practice, uh, a yoga teacher training, 200 hour teacher training came up at the studio I was practicing at. Now, you need to remember I wasn't practicing I knew nothing about yoga or nothing about the science and um I wasn't I I was doing yoga to be cool (laughs) and to lose weight (laughs) of course you know uh and so the 200 hour teacher training came up and the slogan was um deepen your practice now I did not for one moment or second want to become a yoga teacher. I was more uh, intrigued by what deep in your practice meant. And so I signed up for this. And um, I did a 200-hour yoga teacher training. Six months into my very own yoga practice, I couldn't even do a chaturanga, but here I am doing a... I, I had no discipline, but here I am doing a 200-hour. And I... um I finished it after a month, and I didn't get on my mat for six months.
1: Wow! I hated
3: yoga. I hated it. It's, <laughs> it's very,
0: very
1: common after a
3: teacher training. What you yeah. just? I remember when I finished mine, they even just said, just don't go to a yoga class for a couple of months.
2: Is a two hundred hour? That was us. My three hundred, but is that a long? Is that a long training session? Two hundred a It's a month. It's right. month. Yeah, yeah, literally okay.
3: like seven
0: a.m. to seven p.m. of just full-on yoga right. every oh, well, day. Well, I, I suppose that makes mm-hmm. sense. And, uh, you know, of course, we know now what we didn't know then that you, I certainly didn't know that, you know, when we when we sign ourselves up for these types of practices, we also sign ourselves up for healing. Yeah. Mm. And that was definitely not on <laughs> my in my peripheral at all. And um, I was working in a dead end job, horrible job. And I just I that's when I started questioning things. Why am I here? Why am I waking up at six in the morning, driving an hour to a job I hate? Why am I working till 5 p.m. in the afternoon? Why does it take me an hour to drive home, get home at six, up at six p.m. and still need to make dinner and then go to bed? I don't have a life.
2: Mm, I'm on on the, the hamster wheel.
0: Yeah, and my... I got to understand that there was something inside of me that was longing for more. Mm. I didn't know what that was at the time, but something that uh, my soul started speaking to me. Mm. It really did. and I, And that's when I started to understand I have a soul and how can I get out of this physical body and move more to what my soul is asking me to do. So going back to... <laughs> Going back to the yoga teacher training, I hated yoga afterwards. <laughs> it. Um, I left my job, I left my dead-end job. I think it was after five years of working in the same job. And um, I took my pension money and I went with some friends and we went off to travel Europe a little bit. And I, I remember being in Ibiza and I remember having, spending all my money, you know, doing Ibiza things. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> that's, that's expensive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and um and just waking up one morning after like a weekender and I was like what what is going on here so I I had no money went back to South Africa and um I started volunteering for a non-profit organization in South Africa who works with uh prison uh, works in the Polsmo uh, prison in South Africa and. Um, just working doing the seva doing that work got to really uh feel called to Mm -hmm. do the same you know do work where you're giving back Mm -hmm. and then it was like oh my god I have no money what am I gonna do anyway the one day um I was sent to teach kids yoga Teach kids yoga in the heart of a township called Guguletu. So, if anyone's familiar with South Africa, they would probably know that these are poverty-stricken rural areas where there's no infrastructure, and it's just it's a it's a really terrible place to be mm. growing yeah. up. I mean, we I, I, when I say terrible, because we as Westerners, you know, are, are quite privileged. privileged. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> But for, you know, anyway, and um, I remember being so scared and they said, oh, go teach kids yoga. And I was like, what is, this is like 12 years ago. I'm like, what? What do you mean? What does that even mean? And um, I drove in and I remember parking outside this, the shipping container. This is where they had the, like the gatherings. And um, I remember just climbing out of my car and I hadn't even gotten out of my car. And I had about, uh, I, I, I'm not even exaggerating when I say about 20 kids. Mm -hmm. 20 kids of age between four and 12 just run up to me and climb in the car and play with my hair. And at that, it was that instant where I was like, oh, this is something, something's going on on the inside. And, um, the rest of the day, we, we I mean, I taught a yoga class, whatever that meant at that time, mm. just through some physical shapes in the air. And um, that, that that's how it started. You know, that's where I knew I wanted to work with children. And through then continuing with my own uh, healing practice and healing journey with yoga, it made sense that this was changing me this was healing me again why didn't I know this why didn't I learn any of this when I was a child because it makes sense as an adult to use all of these tools why aren't we teaching it to children because I know if I had learned those tools at a younger age I wouldn't have gone through half of mm. the the mm. emotional turmoil or not have made you know the mistakes that I... Uh, I'm grateful for today, of course, but it could have saved me a whole lot of heartache, right?
2: You could have shaved a few corners mm, off. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, I,
2: I often have that conversation with myself because I, <laughs> I had a, a hell-raising life. I was I a hard drinker and a drug user for 20 years. and <clears throat> Excuse me. And even as a kid, you know, as a, I've given you an indication of, of a, a modicum of what it was like. So it was the school of hard knocks and I was constantly... Injuring myself, or injuring other people, or we all got injured and um, you know broken hearted, but obviously burying all this stuff. And 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 it was only what two and a half years ago that I discovered all of this amazing stuff that we're talking about on the How to Die Happy podcast every week. And there are times when I think, oh man, I might have known about this. You know, <laughs> age ten, where would I be? But then I, but then I do have this. Same as you, the great use of the word gratitude. I have this incredible sense of gratitude to uh, Martin version 1.0 for putting himself through all of those hideous lessons and that, you know, co created uh, self destructive, self harming behavior, and then still managing to to have that realization that there was an opportunity for more. Although I should say, and this plays to something else you said. It was my younger brother who really helped me unplug, I think, in a, in a major way. Uh, he introduced me to ayahuasca plant medicine. And I remember, and and after that, everything changed for me. And I went back to London and I closed down my business. And, I, and, and that whole process of closing the business was actually a really incredibly painful process because I was also closing down a lot of aspects of my life. And in closing down the business, a lot of people turned on me. A lot of people close to me turned on me actually which was really surprising. Um, Perhaps it was because people always thought I was tougher than I was, because of course that was part of my persona. Um, But a few people did some stuff, uh, and I did some stuff of course, that uh, that was pretty heartbreaking at the time. And I I would call my brother up um, quite frequently, because we hadn't spoken for eight years. And suddenly he was back in my life and he'd given me this wonderful gift. And I remember calling him one day. I'll never forget it. I, I know exactly where I was standing outside the back door of this South London flat in in Peckham, and I was crying. You know, I was like, I was absolutely in pieces. And I just said, I, "I just really want to thank you for the gift you give me." Um, my brother just said, "Healing you is healing me, Martin." Mm. And you know, it gives me the goosebumps just saying it now yeah, because, um, because I think when we Realize our fragility, and we realize that we're we're always on the healing journey. Um, but then we we go through the self awareness, through the self responsibility phase, and then into. I'm not saying there is a set journey process for this, but certainly, personally speaking, that that was mine. Then we realize we can be in service to others. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, you two did it a lot earlier than <laughs> <laughs> yeah. than me. I mean, you've been a, you've been teaching yoga yoga for a long time as well, but. But that that whole space of being in service to others then is, is, and we talked about this with Alexander Mendeluk, didn't we, on, on another episode, is a whole new sense of purpose, isn't it? And it's a whole new sense of being.
3: And also we, we have to remember that these lessons come to us when we're ready for them.
0: Absolutely.
2: You know, and these
3: stages of awakening, they're not going to come when we're not ready. And they might start to... Like, you know, nibble at you like your parrot, you know, they get in there. But until you're really ready to hear the messages, yeah, it's not the time. And had, you know, had you, it obviously you'd be in a very different space right now had you had these tools as a child. But equally, you might not be now sharing these incredible gifts with the younger generation, and also with us adults, and helping us learn to now teach them to the younger generation. So it it always works out how it's meant to, isn't it? And it works out for the best. But yeah, yeah sometimes we sit there and think, oh, I wish I'd, I wish I'd known about this, you know, it, know, twenty years should've. ago. But yeah, but everything's
2: perfect all exactly, of the time. That's yeah. even when it doesn't feel perfect, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course. I can only say that with hindsight, you know, because there was, there was plenty of time as a child and a, a young adult when, when I felt miserable as sin mm. about my existence. So what you're doing is just amazing. So I'm, I'm interested for our listeners who maybe some of which you know what yoga is, of course, but maybe don't know what yoga is in terms of a deeper practice, in terms of you know what you how you were alluding earlier on it's not just stretching and and you know making shapes in the air there is a a whole healing process but so how how could you tell these people what it is you do for these children Hmm.
0: it's so it's so big how do you conceptualize it into you know uh a, a few short sentences um as we know, we I teach yoga and mindfulness to kids and teens, but it, it's more than that. When we use the tools of yoga and mindfulness, we teach children and adults uh, self-regulation. We teach them self-regulation, and of course, when we are able to regulate ourselves better, we're able to respond to situations better. You know we we kind of um we we we, increase that space between action and reaction we can regulate our emotions we can show up and respond appropriately you can uh, avoid a lot of um a lot of uncomfortability, is if that that's the word? Um,
2: uncomfortableness.
0: Uncomfortableness. There we go, that's the word. Thanks, much. I'm not 100% sure
2: whether or not I made that word up.
3: I don't would it be discomfort? Here, yeah. <laughs> There we go. Thanks, Julia.
2: I, I can't believe I fell down that rabbit hole. I'm a professional writer.
3: But we, we now have a new word. Right?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. Uncomfortableness.
2: <laughs> discomfort.
0: Discomfort, that's the word. Um, in, in my defense, English isn't my first language. I'm so
2: African. I have no defense. So, <laughs> I, and,
0: and, I use that
2: all the time. it's my job.
0: <laughs> 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 anyway, um, yeah, and also, you know, to... Um, you know, yoga is as a science and the the Eastern philosophies about it. How we can use breathing to con- breath control to regulate or modulate our nervous system. How we can use our own physical resource, our breath and our body and our bodies to anchor us into the present moment. We have. You know, we get, I, for me personally, growing up, I, I thought the mind and the body were separated. Didn't we all? Oh, Exactly. And through using these tools, we can, well, using our own resource, the breath and the body, we're able to um, control the mind, you know, this time-traveling mind. Mm-hmm. And how children, or how we learn so early on in life that we have these thoughts and we think that that's it, you know, we, we can't, we can't. Um, understand that these thoughts aren't real that we make them up ourselves and you know we we can learn to use our body to ground us and anchor us in the present moment and that's the body doesn't go anywhere right so when we can bring use the body and we can use the breath we can create self awareness mm. we can self-regulate we can teach um, children or adults who in their journey how to become better adults better human beings mm-hmm. through these uh super simple practices of embodiment
2: mm, you put that yeah. so well mm. i think that the the fundamental point is that they are super simple I and it is you. your body
0: and it's free
1: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. yeah. you can do it anywhere yeah, exactly right? mm-hmm. yeah but
2: but we we talk we've talked about breathing a few times on the show. And we're actually we're hopefully going to have a, a leading breathwork expert on in this season. But breathing, let's talk about breathing for a moment, <laughs> right? Because you know we don't know how to breathe, do we? A, a, we a great number of us don't know how to breathe, and I think as as you say, we we grow up thinking that. We are mind. We are our mind. There's nothing else. So so we do whatever mind says. And of course, the mind is a is a crazy chimp that just runs around screaming, grabbing stuff, thinking about stuff, regretting the past, worrying about the, the future. Monkey mind. The monkey mm-hmm. mind. So and this was the the big lesson for me, because I was all I was way up in my mind. And you know, this is a guy who'd had three nervous breakdowns as well. That's how that's how up in my mind I was. I broke it um he says with a perverse sense of pride <laughs> yeah i don't broke my mind <laughs> um but the point is when i learnt to breathe that was it that was the beginning that was the mm. i remember the moment it was um it was an epic point where suddenly i realized this was the key just centering just breathing using belly breaths and um so I wonder how do you how do you? It's difficult different different for a forty four year old guy, which I was, a forty three year old guy, whatever. At the time when I started, how do you explain that to a child?
0: Well, uh, so going back to Julia, mm-hmm. you know, teaching adults, so um, teach adults these tools. So, uh, I mean, children can be, so that you can become a co-regulator for these children. Children see you do it, mm-hmm. they do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But how do you teach breathing activities to kids? Just like, you know, we go in, our nervous systems are strong, they're well-developed, and we go and we sit, and we're in a class, and you breathe for three minutes. So of course, our mind takes over, and we, we we start fidgeting. And for kids, it's very much the same, right? So just like we go to school, and then the A, B, C, it's the same for children, right? I, I would not... Um, Ask your child to sit and breathe belly breaths for uh, 10 minutes. No. Absolutely not. It's
2: not going to work, is we, it?
0: Absolutely. We have to meet them where they're at, where they're at developmentally. So if I, I get asked this question, you know, uh, a lot where I speak to parents and I'm like, hey, your child to try some yoga and mindfulness. And they're like, oh, my child can't sit still for not even a minute. And I'm yeah. like, your child needs yoga and mindfulness. <laughs>
1: Extra. <laughs>
0: Definitely. Um, so you know, we meet them where they're at. So we then we introduce different modalities. We introduce games. We introduce songs. We introduce um, chanting. Well, songs, chanting, wherever, wherever you are in the world. Um, we introduce um, things that they're interested in. You know, uh, if we're introducing it to a four-year-old and they they love their little teddy bears or they have a little imaginary friend and we can suggest, you know, why don't you lie down on your belly and put your, your teddy friend on your belly and then watch your, as you breathe in, watch your teddy friend, you know, rise oh, and as you fall. breathe out, yeah. watch it fall and they're really, yeah. um, you know, fascinated by that. Again, we're not telling them to breathe because they, we would lose them. So we're saying, oh, why don't you put that on your belly and watch that? And then we start training the brain, training that mechanism, training mm. the diaphragm to mm. get used to that, um, get used to it. Mm. And it's yeah. fun.
3: And, you and know, it's fun. As long as you make it fun and engaging and never too long. Absolutely. I love it. I remember doing one, I think with you on the training and it was for slightly older kids, <laughs> but we had bamboo straws. And on the yoga mats, good tip for kids, with a yoga mat, get uh, ch- um, chalk chalk, yeah. and you can draw on the yoga mats. The kids love it. And we drew like racetracks on the mats and then you give them a bamboo straw and a little pom-pom ball and they have to blow the pom-pom ball across the racetrack to get to the end. And obviously through doing that, they don't know. That they're learning to breathe, they don't mm. know that they're practicing their exhale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But through that, that's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah they don't they don't know that we're teaching them that breath control, mm. right? And the, of
0: course, it's you know when we're in that heightened state of arousal, their go-to mechanis- mechanism needs to be a extended exhale mm. because that elicits the parasympathetic response, right? Now. Telling that to a child, they're going to be, what? Well, tell that to no, an adult. No, yeah, para, no.
2: <laughs> para simple, what now? Yeah. Exactly.
0: So, you know, when we're teaching them things like um, blow the petals off your flower, it's like breathe in, mm. breathe out. It's more a controlled exhale. They have more control over that. Mm. And we're just eliciting all of
3: the good stuff in That's
0: the world. That's beautiful. So, yeah. so
2: linking it with storytelling seems to be, yeah. be quite the key. So.
3: Yeah, like creating adventures. Yeah. I mean, I used to teach um, a really close friend's child um, yoga online. And, you know, it took a while to engage him because it's through a screen. But eventually he loved it. And Martin always used to laugh because <laughs> I'm in the living room or wherever I was teaching at that time. And I'm like, you know, being a different animal and we're going through, we'd always have these amazing adventures for like, you know, it was 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever he could manage. But for me, you know, I'm jumping around the living room like a frog, or the next minute we're running around like dogs, and it's great. But you bring, I was bringing in the stories and the adventures.
0: Absolutely. And through all of that, you're creating awareness. You know, it's like reach out and look at your lion paws. You know, then they get to look at their lion paws in inverted commas, and like, how many lion fingers do you have? You know, like, I'm just. Making thing. it, yeah, and then they would be like one, two, three, four, five. We're creating that self-awareness, it's like, "Hey, body, I have a body. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm here in my body." Yeah. So, yeah, it's so simple. I mean, for, <laughs> it's, it's so simple and so fun. But yeah, there's a there's a there's a big. Um, of course, we need to understand where a child is at developmentally, so that we can. Um, I mean, we're not going to teach a fifteen-year-old ch- to jump around like a frog, so.
3: Mm-hmm. Where that balance is, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember you doing an exercise with us where it was to help us learn how long we could concentrate for. And I might quote this one wrong, but I think you we had to count and focus on the counting until we, or oh, we thought about something else. So it had to be really, really yes. focused. And as soon as we thought about something else, that was like our limit, our number. And you start realising that for us, our concentration levels are really short. Mm. And then you're getting a child and you're putting a child in a classroom and saying, sit down, be quiet, listen to me for an hour, maybe two hours. And then you start thinking, I can't, I can't sit and listen to my own counting for, I can't even remember where I got to, but it wasn't very far. And then you think, okay, well, if if that's me, surely for a child, I've got to halve that, quarter that and find that that niche where, okay, that's that's an okay time for them to sit and concentrate
2: yeah but I, I, and I, you make a, a really valid point I, I, we as adults in 2022 uh, apparently have an incredibly short attention span now i i read i read a study somewhere that said that we we now have an attention span as short as a as a goldfish <laughs> but I, but i've also but i've also seen that rubbished by um, by other uh, uh leading um, voices in the field but the point I think I think, it's, I think it's still spot on in as much as thanks to these devices we have in our mm. pockets and in our hands 24 uh, 7 some of us at least we do have an incredibly short attention span so and we're time poor anyway aren't we but I think the idea of, of then adding the fact that we just cannot actually concentrate or not concentrate or be calm for a moment is part and parcel of the problem I remember when Andy Puddicum launched Headspace, the meditation app. And I remember I, I actually I did actually I think that was maybe my first or second foray into meditation. And and it, I realized how incredibly transformational that was for me, stuck in the rat race, plugged plugged or, or, every which way you can think into the matrix. But um, but realising that I, I needed a guide to just talk me into breathing for even a minute, you know, like just get yourself out of fight or flight, you know, realise, look, at just sense your body. What are you doing? Well, I'm tensed up. Why are you tensed up? I'm always tensed up. <laughs> Why are you always tensed up? It's a really good question. <laughs> you know, what are you doing to your body when you're always tensed up? You know, your your lizard lizard brains work, the, the lizard brain's working, the monkey's doing its thing and of course you're,
0: body's just pumping out adrenaline Abs- and cortisol yeah. Yeah.
2: absolutely which of course we can become addicted in and actually absolutely. addicts do ride do ride the wave absolutely. of absolutely um, adrenaline yeah and
0: and you know going back to what julia said about the uh, having these children going to school can't focus stressed out because they can't focus mm. or stressed up from the environmental factors so mm-hmm. they're in that lizard mm. brain that's a brain right yeah. Yeah. and then they're pumping up all this adrenaline and then they're told to sit still and the only way the body can process adrenaline is through movement so here we are we're sitting with something we're sitting with a big problem here mm-hmm. yeah a big 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 problem
1: yeah. yeah
0: how are children supposed to learn how to focus because that's something we misunderstand too focus is a skill. That's so something we're born with. Yeah. We need to train our brains to learn how to focus. So um yeah, there's big problems. Yeah. And I think,
3: <laughs> I mean, I've been I did a bit of research earlier and I'm I'm learning that ADHD is on the rise, but a lot of it's misdiagnosed. So we've got children coming into schools and they're not exercising anymore. You I mean, I, when I was at school, we did a lot of sport. You know, it was a big, big part of our day. But a lot of schools now don't have playing fields. It's not part of the daily routine. So kids are coming in, probably having been on their phones already. Then they've got to sit in the classroom all day. And then they might be on their phones again. So nowhere in that are they moving. So no. then a lot of children are being diagnosed with ADHD because from everyone from the adult's perspective they can't sit still they can't concentrate they can't focus and then sadly that might go further and they get di- um prescribed medication absolutely but actually, what a lot of these children need is yoga yoga. <laughs> <laughs> yoga and mindfulness they need routine they need outside time i think um i read something like i think one in every 10 youth in the states is diagnosed with adhd Um, And it's now the most common mental health condition among children worldwide. Um, But they're also saying that most of that's misdiagnosis. Um, And children are spending half as much time outdoors as they would have done before 1992. So now on average, an eight to 13 year old spends seven hours and 38 minutes using entertainment media in a typical day. And that's not including their computer time for schoolwork. And only about 6% of kids play outside on their own. And most children now kind of go to daycare or school. They come home maybe for a snack and bedtime. And so they're not getting that outdoor time. They're not actually playing. Well, not Um, just that, Julia. They're they're
0: only, you know, when we talk about, uh, you know, senses, they're they're so visually stimulated. You know, we're not encompassing... um, the others, you know, the he- mm. the, he- the auditory, the they probably eat food while they're on a screen too, you know, mm. and that that's a big problem as well. It's
2: a- yeah, and I suppose all the while they're focusing on these senses and these senses, then you're you're likely closing yourself off to your extrasensory perception, which we all have. Mm. You alluded earlier on as you began doing the yoga, you realise, oh, hang on a minute, what's going on here? I'm suddenly i mean, in the world of metaphysics and, and
3: and, the realization of your soul. Yeah,
2: yeah. Absolutely,
3: yeah. And it's all. It's just. It
0: just. I. Uh, we're in a. We're. We're in a. We're in a crisis. <laughs> yeah. mm. We're in a crisis where we have these children. Uh, they're. You know. They're, they're, like they've been zombified.
1: Mm.
0: You know. They have. Going back to the ADHD, uh, Julia. If you look at the physiological effects of stress, what happens when we're stressed out? You know, our body prepares to run away from a saber-toothed tiger, right? Back in the caveman days. So we start sweating. We start, you know, rocking back and forth. And we start... um our mouth gets dry. All of these things, and if you look at the, if we take it to a classroom environment and we look at the the, the ADHD um, symptoms, it's very similar. It's very similar to the stress response. Mm-hmm. And then, we what's happening because we're living in such a fast paced world. And I'm not saying this is true, but we have, we're very quick to give child a pull. Yeah. yeah. This, your child, there's something wrong with your child. that needs to go to a therapist. It needs to go to this therapist, this therapist, this per- therapist. Child's going to about four different therapists in one week. Child gets labeled with all of these things, The child embodies the label. Mm. And then what's happening there? We have a child. So normally, say I have ADHD, using it as an excuse to be better, do better, become better. Mm. And it's just you know where 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 are we heading with all of these things? Not just not just the ADHD, not just with the labels, but what about not being able to explore the senses. Mm. What about having sensory processing difficulties? All of these things, I see it more and more. Every year, children are, you don't even need to be diagnosed with sensory processing disorder. Children are having sensory processing issues
2: just a standard just
0: it's just a standard thing mm. Mm.
2: it's becoming a, a societal norm isn't
0: absolutely. It? or it is a societal it's, norm it, you yeah. know it's already there right absolutely and it's just uh, something uh, there, there needs to be a fundamental change something needs to be done mm. something really needs to be done and i feel for me uh, uh, as uh, as an adult who you know has all of these self-esteem issues or you know how i've improved my life or my being using these tools i i i i don't see why children there's not prescribed to children Mm -hmm. why isn't this prescribed to children yeah
3: well and in some places it is and there's 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 some you know you hear every now and then like they've started school in some school programs in England started to introduce a bit of yoga and stuff um and I know also you talk this we have to be really careful when we use the word yoga because some people then think it's got a connotation of uh, religious religion which it doesn't and then you have to reword how you put it how Absolutely. you're working with the children but there every now and then there is I hear a story of it and I think it gives me a little bit of hope you know and I know that you have a lot of exercises that are perfect for classrooms aren't they you know it's just just a little little interludes during the school day that just take the kids out from a minute from what they're trying to focus on and you give them a moment of movement or a moment of calm. Yeah, just so that it can, you know, self-regulate,
0: bring themselves yeah. back into their body. And if you think about it, you know, going more, taking it out of your, well, put a more developmental approach to it. Physical development is the first call on development. If that hasn't developed properly, we're going to see all these um problems arise later on in life like you mm. know uh, emotional uh, social all of them and when we're when we use movement as a tool to um integrate the the brain people it's not just yoga it's not just the pose we're, we're actually you know when we're in eagle pose we're crossing the left and the right mm. hemispheres of the brain we are you know all of these amazing um things that movement can offer us that we can offer children and again yet so simple
1: yeah. yeah
2: well you put you pose an interesting problem i i've i'm blown away by the fact that you can even do yoga and, and meditation with kids now that's that that that's a huge step i think and and i and i certainly think it's it's well it's this it's a systemic root cause tackle isn't it we've got all of these broken minds uh, among the adult population and, and when i say broken minds I, I don't just mean people with serious mental illness or with addictions or with narcissistic personality disorders. We've all got our—we're our, all carrying trauma. Every adult on the Absolutely. planet is carrying yeah. Yeah. some trauma, and I, and I think that's that's a, a a piece on its own where the gr- the grown-ups in the room actually need to accept that they are a little bit broken, that they have that they're carrying some wounds that they, that they never healed, and of course. We know, well, you know, I had to go to work nine to five and I had to provide for the family and yada yada and nobody ever taught me that. So I'm just going to keep my head down and also I really like this big house and I like having two cars and I like that watch and I like that motorbike and, you know, and I like my lifestyle. So all of these things are set up to distract us from the real work. But at the same time, I think if, if we can have that conversation about trauma with adults, and we were talking about this the other day trauma doesn't necessarily need to mean living in an abusive household you know you, you mm. might have been dropped as a child oh
3: well, no there's different levels of trauma yeah,
0: aren't little teas and
3: big teas yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: right so so <laughs> i think part of the the fixing of the problem has to be to have a conversation with adults to say, "Look, you know, you, you need to heal, fix yourself and heal yourself before you are in the the most optimal position to be bringing up mini yous.
0: Absolutely, and we don't. Absolutely. And this is something we discount
2: all the time. You know, people are just uh, having babies left, right, and center. And don't get me wrong; uh, the gift of life is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And 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 it, you know, that's that's what, that's part of the, the whole process of being at Earth School. But at the same time, so many people are having children never having repaired themselves or never having even looked at themselves. And then what does that do for the child? Well, I I can tell you. First hand. Mm. you know we've, yeah. we yeah you can tell <laughs> yeah. me like mother firsthand. like
3: daughter <laughs> yeah, exactly but right? like also we're carrying like, generational traumas it's not even just our parents it's like their parents and their parents and this goes back generations a I, we genetics. were actually having
0: a discussion about this this so i'm doing this big chakra healing course at the minute and i we only started two days ago so i'm on the base chakra and we were chatting about generational trauma and you know it goes back to like my granddad was in the war
2: you know, and mm-hmm.
0: I was like, well, "That's so far, but yet so close." Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you, and you, you're carrying some of that, absolutely. And it's, yeah. it's that combination of nature and nurture. Of course, there've been debates over over the years: is it nature versus nurture? No, it's it's all of it. Absolutely, it's epigenetics. Yeah. You know, it's all
0: it. it's been, and that's been proven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and that, and that,
2: the science of epigenetics is is exploding now, yeah. isn't it? To to expose that. So I think that's one of the things we need to do. But I think also it's it's tackling the education system, isn't it? You know, I, now I, I, I've had some wonderful friends who are teachers. My mum was a teacher uh, for 35 years, and she was a bloody good one um, despite her um, uh, drinking problem. However, having witnessed firsthand what a bad teacher looks like, and I'm talking about people who, well, a they're too young to be teaching, too inexperienced when it comes to just life. But b they're not actually there to to they're not actually there to fulfil this this passion of teaching children. They're there because they get whatever paid. it is. Yeah, they get like, paid, with you, they get a pension, they get ten the weeks holiday. Passion.
3: This is your calling, isn't it, to work with children? It's Absolutely, a-
2: completely. So. Uh, I mean, you know, we, we, we've got an hour and 45-minute podcast here. And we're going to try and fix the world here. But but I, I think it's important to have these conversations on this show because, as we know, it's all connected. Yeah. We are all connected. Everything is connected. And, and of course, the, the obvious thing for a lot of people to say is, well, how the hell am I? You know, what can I do? What difference can I make? What difference can my child make? You know, this is the system. It, it is what it is. Just get on with it. You know, let's just, I'd, like the guy in the Matrix, I'd rather just eat my steak and drink my red wine and not I, actually waking up looks a bit painful to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is. It's really painful. <laughs> no, no illusions there. It, it, it's super hard work. Um, but it, we have to do these things uh, incrementally. And, and I, I think the wonderful thing about what you're doing is, is you're tackling it at, at, at the base, at the beginning, mm-hmm. the grassroots. So how do you, well actually, I'll stop talking and asking questions. You know we have a, a segment on the show every week, it's called Be My Guest, where we invite listeners to record questions for the guests. Now we have two questions from one listener for you. So let's just do that. Be my guest, let's talk my friend,
0: let's talk my friend, this
1: is not the end, you are free, you just don't know it yet.
2: Mm. Dwayne Forrest. It's very good. He's really good, isn't he? Yeah. (laughs) Got a lovely voice. Question one.
3: Hi there. It's Jane from the UK. And I'd like to know, is it harder or easier to teach mindfulness and meditation to a child rather than an adult? And what's
2: the difference?
0: I think it's harder to teach it to an adult.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I figured that would be the case.
0: Um, What's the difference? I I personally, my own personal experience, it's uh, it, it was harder to teach myself to meditate than um, a child. The uh, reason being is because I, I've grown up and a been and so stimulated through all of the external environment that I almost had to retrain myself. That focus muscle that I spoke about mm-hmm. earlier, mm-hmm. you know, how do I um, how do I strengthen that? How do I strengthen that? You know, yep. just like we go to gym, pick up a weight, same thing. Mm. And um, that take, took a lot of discipline. Yeah. Right? So, back to children children are still developing. We have the opportunity to develop this part of them, and, and so that they have this as an intrinsic part of them. To grow up,
2: so it is—it's baked into their daily practice, it's it's just the same as eating and drinking, and you know, going outside. Well, six percent of of the kids going outside. (laughs) Well, then you make
3: it when you make it fun, and it's not a chore. It's not something I have to do. It becomes yeah, just part of your daily routine. And then you realize when you're not doing it, things don't quite Um, feel the same. and, and, And you know. A lot of a lot of us get
0: confused. You know, meditation is sitting still in a, in a, a, a seated position, not blinking an eye. That's you know no. You, there's walking meditation. There, there's so many things mm-hmm. where movement is involved. And for mm-hmm. kids, we use that. You mm-hmm. know, and we then we include the senses. So, you know, take a walk around. What name one thing that you can taste? Two things that you can see. Three things that you can smell. That technique, and we just. It, uh, include these things where children have to become aware of what question comes next they have to be in tune to my voice and they have to focus and be con- and concentrate so that they understand what comes next and mm. these are these are short little tricks uh, and easy little tricks that we can include to help improve that focus muscle right
2: yeah mm-hmm. yeah it was a good question that yeah. thanks jane i would add we as adults don't just have have to go through the process of learning. First, we have to go through this incredibly painful process of <laughs> yeah, un- I learn, learning, yeah, right? Yes. And yeah, when I discovered the concept of unlearning, which was only you know a couple of years ago, right, I was blown away because then I started to research neuroplasticity and neuroscience and and how we have essentially um, these synaptic pathways that are almost you know, metaphorically carved into our brain so when an event happens to us let's say it happened the first time it happened was when i was age three and then it happens again age four age five and we train ourselves to just constantly or the, or the brain does its job right it, it's it's in protection mode in that regard it just sends us down the same path and this is where the confusion can can, call, uh, can come across because you because the brain sometimes doesn't know the difference between a physical and emotional injury.
0: Oh, a brain doesn't know the difference between an actual real no. life event and memory, Yeah, imagination Absolutely. as well. Yeah. Like it's all one thing. We you know we can and, and I mean this in a very nice way. We can manipulate. Mm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we can ma- manipulate children yep. in a good way to kind of, you know. Yeah for the brain to not pick up on you know is this actually a memory
2: or yeah, is yeah. this but it's but it's training yeah. it's brain yeah, training and, and and i i would say this about because people still often ask me about meditation you know i've got I've still got some friends left in the uk and uh, around the world who are still very much more you know doing the matrix thing um, and all due respect to that you know that's their that's their vibe and i'm sh- and i'm sure they're having a great time but people often say to me how do you how do you even sit for 10 minutes i can't meditate and it's not i haven't got time some people say i haven't got time but some people say i just can't do it mm. i i have tried and i can't do it and it and it and it, and it come and the answer is it comes with practice well,
3: people forget that it is a practice it's like you wouldn't yeah. just you didn't just you had to learn to walk you had to learn to speak mm-hmm. you have to learn a new language if you want to speak a new language meditation is the same and yeah. meditation actually takes years and years of practice yeah it does but yeah. it's the practice that is what you need and that's it doesn't matter that you might not actually be meditating yet you're working towards that point and no. all of that is beneficial it, it becomes easier when you're when you become
0: self-embodied
3: yeah like right now
0: in my life i you know i'm just like oh, i just need to meditate just, you know <laughs> move have all these obstacles up my way and i can't wait to just you know go yeah. for a walk or uh-huh. sit down on my mat you yeah know, now it's like for me in my life it's like it, it's yeah and
2: it's not a chore chore anymore is it it's because you know well i think we i can speak for all three of us we all appreciate the immediate benefits of doing it
3: my um a teacher of mine once said to me we were having a little catch-up about my practice and he said you know how's your meditation practice going you know your daily because for me it's very important to have a daily regular practice and i just said oh it's fine it's something i have to do and he said no no think about it, as you're taking yourself on a date, you know, and I use this in a lot of my practices now. It's like I get ready for it. I get changed. I might even put some different jewelry on and I take myself on this date and spend time with myself like you would if you were going to go with somebody else. Absolutely. Mm. That's a really nice way to see
0: it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And again,
2: training. So yeah. just as yeah. just as a great many adults will regularly go to the gym, uh, maybe they're lifting weights, maybe they're on the peloton, whatever that, that vibe is, that is training, So, and the mind is exactly the same. The mind's the same. Mm-hmm. So unlearning versus learning, and, of course, the little sponges that are the children, <laughs> uh, I, I would presume, if you've got the right methodologies, which you quite clearly do, and all of these, um, the, the techniques to train them, then it's, it's comparatively simple mm-hmm. when you're looking at um, someone in their 40s who, who, through no fault of their own, has had to construct a way to be and speaking from personal experience having had the the upbringing I had I I had to I didn't have necessarily the right advice from other people to uh, to do that and I didn't and I I wasn't see I wasn't getting the healthy examples from the adults around me so of course what happens then well then you're, you're doing it yourself and I used to well, when I, I came very close to suicide, I had a loaded shotgun in my mouth uh, one time. My my beagle actually stopped me from killing myself. That's a whole other... It's, it, literally, a whole
1: other podcast. It, <laughs> it literally is a whole other podcast. <laughs>
2: We've already recorded that one. Um, but I realized through through seeing myself doing that, getting to that point, to that lowest point of depression, that the last person I should be talking to about anything to do with healthy living was me oh
0: absolutely and of course
2: when you're all up in your head and, yeah. and of course depression as we know uh, means often you you don't feel that you can well you actually might not even have the energy or the ability to articulate your feelings to anyone else so so yeah unlearn i'm conscious we didn't hear jane's yeah. second question
3: i'd also be interested about your thoughts on labeling emotions Because I think sometimes it can be quite difficult for children to understand the emotion that they're feeling. But I also think it's hard for adults to actually label the emotion that they're feeling. So sometimes you may feel that you're angry, but you're not. You're frustrated or you're jealous or you're lots of other things. So I was wondering how you communicate that difference in emotion to children.
2: Great
0: question. Mm, really good. Mm, very good question. Well, we first need to teach them about emotion. I remember growing up and, um, you know, being programmed into me that we have good emotions and we have bad emotions, mm-hmm. and being told not to cry or not to express those bad emotions, mm. right? Um, so that's not the case.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that's definitely not the case now for me. Um, you know, it's getting, of course, uh, 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 Joe Dispenza.
2: You mm. know, I. I awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Awesome uh, thinker.
0: I might not say this correctly, but I'm going to try. Thoughts are a. I can't remember his exact words. Anyway, emotions are in the body, thoughts are in the mind. We have a thought that triggers the emotion. We have emotion that triggers the thought, this ongoing cycle, yeah. right? So, you know, really, we have to bring the awareness to the body again right how do we teach children about emotion well in the body and a great activity i like to use for that is the body scan you know sometimes mm-hmm. you know children will come and they're like i'm feeling angry oh where do you feel that angry what does anger feel like for you you know and most of the time you know i feel anger in my fists you know and when they can identify where they're feeling th- th- these emotions they can make like, okay oh I'm feeling uh, uncomfortable in my fists. Am I angry? What's going on? Or when I have butterflies in my stomach, and that, that you know, a lot of children complain that their bellies are sore. Mm. You know, what does it feel like for you? Is that anxiety? You know, this is what anxiety feels like. Okay, you're feeling that now in your body, in your stomach, or wherever you feel it. Then we can use a breath to kind of balance that out. And mm. yeah, no,
1: not nice to point. say
0: that, you know, it, it use the breath to balance that, but bring more of uh, the body in tune, you know, bring it more mm-hmm. into a collabor- collaborative state, <laughs> you know, where the nervous system can just c- calibrate and be like, all right, or move the body. I'm, I'm feeling like this now, but when I move the body, I can feel like this now. What does that emotion feel like for you now? And then, you know, mm.
2: unblock that energy, Absolutely. not that you would explain that to the child, but obviously, of
0: course, of course. So just, you know, when you're dealing with, obviously, if you look at the emotions, well, you're not gonna teach a five year old about all of the 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 bigger emotions. There's basic ones, sadness, a- um, anger, happiness. Um I can't remember what the other ones are at the minute. But you know, start with the simple ones. Where do you feel that in the body? Bring the awareness to the body. Um, makes me feel like this when I feel like this. Okay. Mm-hmm. When they get used to that, you know, they can learn how to regulate where they're feeling and be able to be okay Okay, I'm feeling anger it makes me upset I'm going to cry alright that's
3: great mm-hmm. cry it's totally yeah. normal mm. you know? well, that, that's the thing isn't it Being, being uh, allowing yourself to realise that it's okay to feel and it's okay to have these emotions so I think a lot of, of us grew up it wasn't as you said bad and good so you're not allowed to feel angry you're not allowed to feel sad don't cry at this point point. and you know we kind of get to this point where I remember doing this a lot people were like oh, how are you I'm fine Absolutely. And it becomes this constant monotonous, I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. And I remember you said that, you know, when you were teaching us about the children, you said, when they come into your classroom, be honest with them. Absolutely. If you don't feel good, tell them. Absolutely. Actually, do you know what, kids? I'm a little bit sad today. And Mm -hmm. I maybe feel it here in my body. Yeah. And allow them to realize it's okay to talk about it. Empathy. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I love that, that. that's
2: a great example because you're right (laughs) (laughs) How are you, Martin? Suicidal (laughs) Uh.
0: There's always this expectation, you know, (laughs) that we need to be happy And we need to just, you know Mm, And and, and it's almost as if um, I was going to say something (laughs) (laughs) Just to play off of what you said Anyway yeah, it's... it's okay. All feelings are
3: valid. Yeah. All feelings are valid. Completely. But, mm. And a, a lot of adults don't understand their emotions. Well, that's... And um... obviously the feeling... I'm not going to get into that now, but the feeling versus the emotion. I mean, they're two different parts of this. But you know as adults we have we often only really understand the basic emotions so we'll say that we're one emotion but when we really study it and realise deep down that's not that's oh, actually absolutely. not what we're feeling that's like, not what it is if you look at I think it's that iceberg metaphor yeah. metaphor where if I remember
0: correctly at, at the top it's like anger but then at the bottom you have this big iceberg
3: with every mm. other emotion
0: underneath yeah. that and
2: the backstory absolutely, of course, and absolutely and, to, and
3: learning to release that anger that absolutely. feeling is so a big one isn't it like we hold it in the body and obviously all those emotions when they're stored in the body they they become other things later on but it's just letting that out and knowing that that's fine
2: absolutely yeah we had an incredible chap called lee holden on the show in season one and lee is an international qigong master and he said something that's always stuck with me he talks about emotion Mm -hmm. energy in, in motion. motion yeah
0: absolutely
2: and you know just breaking it down in such a simple way so that we can think okay right and of course through movement he's a Qigong master and an energy master through movement we can
0: dispel it and mm-hmm. get
2: rid of it and and it's not and it, here's the interesting thing and, and, a, and, a, and a, a, a point to make to the listeners that doesn't mean put it in a box and bury it back in your subconscious unconscious because you have to we have to learn, to to have a healthier life, we have to learn to sit with that emotion, sit in it. Sometimes sit in the searing pain of it, uh, depending on what this emotion is. But breathe through that and through that process, realize it's impermanence, realize that it is about to change. It's gonna move, it's gonna, either gonna move around your body. It's going to change in severity. It's, it's going to dial down. Or it might even dial up. Who knows? But mm. but this was a, a key learning for me, and it was actually uh, learning about grieving because obviously grief is, is energy, emotion. It's emotion. It was once I could see that that emotion change, I realized that it wasn't always going to be the same. And in knowing that and understanding its impermanence, I, would, I had a whole new reframing. It's, okay, cool, right? So it might—it's not going to be here forever, then, is it? No. Context, helicopter view—you know, like taking that sort of macro view—changes um, everything. So, yeah, as as she said in the question, and as as you've said as well, Jules, adults. A lot of adults don't have a clue about emotions. And of course, these are the same people who can't regulate their emotions who also have one, two, three, four, five little people in the house um, or around them. So it's an unfortunate, vicious cycle, mm. isn't it? Yeah, because Absolutely. we're their
3: co-regulators.
2: Yeah. Until right. they can regulate them themselves, we're, uh. help, we're
3: doing it for them. And when they're babies, they cannot regulate. Exactly. we coming from the carer. We're, we're,
0: we're, you know, telling them to behave one way and then we behave the same way we're telling them not to behave. You yeah. know, we're teaching them... Uh, you know we're teaching them morals and
3: values that aren't really aligned with <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: so then we're actually also teaching them dishonesty exactly. and hypocrisy right exactly
3: yeah. <laughs> So I was just reminded wow. when we were talking a minute ago about the energy and motion one of my favorite techniques that you have is the shake and freeze oh I love that <laughs> and I do it with a lot of the kids and they love it you know and it works I find it works with the majority of emotions so shake and freeze is where you get the child to stand up I suppose they could do it sitting and-, and they just move they move their body they shake everything and then they freeze and you do that with them a few times and then you can kind of after the end of it get them to maybe breathe or ask them how they're feeling and it like it's such a big change I it is think such should- a big change
2: do it. Should we do, a, should we do thirty <laughs> seconds of shaking free? Maybe we might not stand
3: up. We sitting down. <laughs> do this, let's, let's, okay, go.
0: You, te- you teach.
3: You tell us to do it. Bye. <laughs> right,
0: kids. Good morning. <laughs> right. So what we're gonna do is I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, shake. I'm gonna continue saying shake, and then when I say free, and then you're gonna shake your body. You're gonna shake your body as much as you can. And then when I say freeze, you're gonna freeze and you're gonna t- um, tighten up your whole body. So you're gonna, as if you're showing me your muscles, you're gonna squeeze and then we're gonna shake it out and we'll squeeze again Well freeze. Are you ready? We're yes, ready. One,
2: one point to make,
0: mind the microphone. <laughs>
1: Okay, so, here we go.
0: And shake, 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 and freeze. And shake, 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 And freeze. Very good guys. <laughs> so if we do the game. The facial expressions, amazing. Are supposed All the supposed to
3: breathe? breathe. It's really good.
0: Even it's sitting lovely. here, like
3: I, I feel like that kind of tingle of the energy, like coming out. You know, and it, oof,
1: it
2: feels yeah. good. And actually, that activity reminds you to to take a deep breath as well. Yeah. If you think about it.
0: Mm-hmm absolutely yeah and yes. no, just just to go just you know to go back on
1: the
3: <laughs> <laughs> mind your mics ladies mind uh, your mics oh <laughs>
2: uh, no what were we talking about hypocrisy <laughs>
0: um just to go back quickly on what you said you know when we start to ignore our emotions we start to bury them and again like energy is motion what is disease it's this ease of the energy in motion yeah and um Again, with trauma and all these things come and we feel these uncomfortable emotions, it, we become more detached from our bodies. Mm. And that's where yoga becomes a, life, a lifeline. You know, mm. yoga teaches us to get back into our body.
2: I, as a child, I used to self-harm. And uh, I've talked about this on another podcast, but uh, I didn't realize it was self-harming. I didn't even know. In fact, didn't even know what self-harming was. But I used to, you remember the tape cassettes? anybody old enough to I tape, make it, it
1: right? I've seen the latest demographic
2: <laughs> uh, statistics on the podcast and I know some of our audience uh, know what um what a tape set was but I used to take the tape out of the case and I used to line up these cases you know and and uh, this and this was a, a bizarre ritual and obviously I was super pent up at the time and then I would just smash 10 bells out of these um these cassette cases until my until there were my fingers were bleeding until I had um, pieces of plastic sticking out of my knuckles and, I, and it was only much later on that I realised because of course then I felt better I felt better of
1: course yeah. after you...
2: hurting myself it was only much later that I realised that there was this significant um, similarity between the emotional energy and the physical energy of pain mm-hmm. uh, and it was a way of switching one off and replacing it with another so I suppose it stands to reason that teaching children movement at an early age and meditation at an early age might just do a, a good job of putting pay to self-harm, yeah. do we think? Yeah. Not just
0: self-harm. Well, I mean, uh, addictions, mm-hmm. you know, because
3: we just use that to cover up the pain. Yeah, mm. yeah. And, the uh, you know, the acceptance. So if you're allowed to accept your anger and accept your feelings, yeah. you're given these tools to regulate them. Then yes, so many, so many people out there might not be doing what you were doing.
2: Yeah, it's a it's an incredible thing, and 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 the more you unpack it, the more you realise how uh, well what a wonderful path you've chosen for yourself. Mm. You know, again,
0: again, it chose me. <laughs> there's no way. I, 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 there's not one part of me that woke up and you know said, ah, oh, that's what I'm gonna do. It, it it you know it found me, and every day it still finds me still finds me and it's just an incredible for me an incredible path to be on you know without thinking about it without you know planning it it's it's just um it's there it's my dharma and i'm super grateful that i found it at the age that i did i mean sometimes Mm. it takes a whole lifetime for somebody to find this Mm -hmm. yeah uh, i I, i'm I'm very fortunate yeah Mm.
2: Yeah. okay so what advice could you would you give to parents who are listening to this and thinking you guys are onto something and I've got one or two rugrats over there and uh, they're causing some some problems on the uh, emotion yeah. front. so so what what advice could you give them to introduce their children to a mindfulness practice?
0: Discu- take on a mindfulness practice for yourself first. Mm-hmm. The basics, you know. Breathe. Learn, learn how to, instead of reacting to a situation that's uncomfortable, breathe through it. And start, that, that is the starting point.
2: That is sound Mm -hmm. advice. Of course, you wouldn't ordinary, people might not think that. They might, oh, well, you know, sit down and da-da-da or take them to a yoga teacher or yada-yada. No, you've got to lead by example, haven't you?
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And uh, the way we regulate our emotions is witnessed by Absolutely. everyone around us in our family unit, mm-hmm. and and in the first eight years of our lives, that's the the early childhood development stage, isn't it? Yeah, so, mm-hmm. whatever mum does and says, and whatever dad does and says, or mum and mum and dad and dad, or just one. Um, they become our role model, uh, our male role model, our female role model. So, yeah. So, I suppose that might not be the advice that some mums were hoping for. Because <laughs> it means they've got it's to do not some work. Easy
0: way out. Or, or dads.
2: But, but at the same time, it's the best advice ever because mm-hmm. actually, if it means, you know, if you really want your children to have a better chance at at this school business and and shave some of those corners as we were uh, discussing earlier on and the only way to do it really is to lead by example and and but actually little will you realize the or you 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 don't realize right now but you will realize very quickly the incredible transformational benefits that you will feel. And then, of course, your children are going to see that. They're going to see the change in your physiology, the change in, in uh, the way you interact with people.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and not just that, they're, they're going to trust you more because they would be, you know, uh, just speaking from uh, experience, you know, I was always scared to approach my parents about, you know, something or ask them for something because the reaction would always be kind of fiery. You know, because um, I would trigger them maybe somehow, right? But when you learn to deal with your triggers and learn to uh, have that space between the action and reaction, when your child starts approaching you or triggering you, or whatever the situation is, you know, your response is going to be different. Mm. So it's going to build a better relationship with your child. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know? Amazing. Mm. You know, that the How to Die Happy podcast is kind of engineered around the, 10 common deathbed regrets and the one of the many reasons why i was really really keen to have you on the show was we are constantly talking on this show about giving adults uh stories and practical utilities so that they can learn how to to live better ultimately so when they get to that 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 point that near death point hopefully they have less regrets um but, of course, what you 're doing here is is providing an opportunity for the the small people to reengineer and reframe the whole story the whole life story mm-hmm. on earth and and that might sound rather magnanimous and rather worthy, but I fundamentally believe it is true and I, and, and i I also fundamentally believe that t- i don 't know which generation it 's going to be, but there 's a generation coming up mm-hmm. that is going to live in a completely different way to, to all of us. Uh, and they're gonna realize their connection to one another. They're gonna be able to communicate that connection. Aww. They are going to be love.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Now that doesn't mean they're not gonna be human. <laughs> right? You know, they're not all gonna be meditating Zen monks because we are human and we're stuck in this and this is, you know, a, a great deal of evolution. Um, That's and and be, and began as an animal, and it is it is an animal, isn't it? It's an mm-hmm. animal meat suit. I call it the Earth rover. <laughs> That's what I call my body. Um, but I, I I fully believe that uh, with the likes of you and and a few more people like you around the world, Genie, we're we're I think we're we're in a good place going yeah. forward.
0: <laughs> thank you, Martin. Um, thank you, Julia. Thank you for having me here today. Um, yeah, I. I that you know see the change starts with you change from change starts from within
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know hopefully if i could just touch one person with the work that i do i know that can create enormous change mm-hmm. in the future mm-hmm. so cheers to that <laughs> yeah, man. I'll, I'll drink coconut water to that <laughs>
2: Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed talking to you. It's been fantastic, hasn't it?
3: Yeah. Thank you so much, love. Thanks So you. much, fun, And you so you've inspired me. You know how much Jeannie's inspired mm. me. And um, yeah, thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you guys for doing what
0: you're doing. I think this is an
3: amazing podcast. Thank
2: you. <laughs> well, I suppose you, uh, when, I, when I first started doing this, now, uh nobody can see all the, the stuff behind the cameras but, <laughs> but but I I went a little bit crazy on the on the uh on the equipment front, the lighting. All that to say that I, I always said to Jules when we started How to Die Happy, even if it helps just one person, it's worth doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I, I echo your, your thoughts and feelings in the same way. Thank you very much. Mm, thank you. Thank you so much, love. We'll Namaste. see you again. Namaste. <laughs>
1: mm <music>